to you by Timely Thompson's Honor Society. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rachel. And this is The 11th Hour. Welcome back to The 11th Hour, the world's happiest podcast about tragedy. Compared to last week's Holocaust episode, today should be a walk in the park. <laughs> right. This week we're going to be talking about 9-11, why it occurred, the long-term effects, all that good stuff. But the question we're really going to be asking ourselves is how has this world-changing event affected our ability to forgive groups of people? What? Where are we? Um, why does the calendar say 2001? Why are we here? Oh my god, is that Osama bin Laden? <gasps> this is the perfect opportunity to interview him for the podcast. Uh, no. Are you sure? He is a terrorist. Sarah, where are you going? I'm gonna go interview him. Hi, I'm Osama bin Laden. What exactly was 9-11? 9-11 was a terrorist attack on America because they're weak. How many hijackers were involved? There was 19 that were directly involved and I was the great leader of the operation. What was your motivation behind organizing these attacks? I'm a part of an extreme religious Muslim group where we believe that it's okay to eliminate anyone and everyone that doesn't believe in exactly what we do. So I guess I have to ask, how do you think that this has affected other Muslims? The U.S. was weak. I didn't really consider what it would be like for them, but that doesn't matter to me. What matters is the upbringing of the superior religion. Can, can we leave now? I'd like to try and get home, if that's even possible. Fine. Thank you, Mr. Bin Laden. Anytime. The following is sensitive material. These are real audio clips from the day of 9-11. Viewer discretion is advised. It came in like a spear. It just speared through the building like a fireball. looking at the numbers coming down the stairwell, 15, 14, counting, and then I actually thought, oh, I can make it, I can make it. When I got out, I, I looked like, uh, I've never, I've never seen war up close, but today I have. Oh God, here we go again. Are we finally going home? We're here with Adama Ba. She's faced discrimination after the 9-11 attacks. Adama, how closely related are you to the Islamic religion? I mean, my family and I were never really religious, and we never really went to mosques, so I guess that tells you a few things. However, my dad did send me to an Islamic boarding school in Buffalo, New York, when I was in seventh grade. How did 9-11 impact you right away? I was 13 when 9-11 happened, and the day that it happened, my teacher told our entire class that um, the Muslims would be facing a lot of hatred and discrimination from that day. And I guess like I truly found out she was right when me and six other of my classmates were heading home for Ramadan break and we covered our faces and um, we got screened and we got searched more than everyone else and that's the first time in my life that I truly felt racism and discrimination. How did 9-11 impact you after that? Um, 
I think I was 16 when this happened. The FBI came in one night and it was a big thing, but they took me and my dad and we were put into a cell and we were taken out to be interrogated. And these questions just, they were more about terrorism than anything because what we believed at the time was it was about my parents not having papers to be here because we originally came from Guinea. But um, my dad told me not to let them know that we could go back there because of fear that I could be circumcised to get married back in Guinea. What happened after you were taken into custody? I met this young lady about my age. Her name was Tash Nuba. She told me that she signed up to be a suicide bomber, or well, technically that's what the people interrogating told me. And we talked later and she told me that they told her that I signed her up. And that's when we figured out they were playing us and we were being set up. So I guess after that, we became really close. And then um, pretty soon after that, me and Tashanuba got sent to a juvenile detention center away from my dad and my parents didn't know where I was for the time that I was there, but, but we never really got a trial, which was unfair. Pretty soon they told me that I couldn't get out if I agreed to wear an ankle bracelet. And I agreed because once someone is put through those horrid things that I was, you'll do anything to get out of that. And I wore that ankle bracelet for three years and I can still see the bruises and the scars of where it once was. So what was the verdict in court? After some trial in court, I was granted asylum on the grounds that I would face circumcision if I was deported back to my country of Guinea. And my mom helped a lot in that field, I guess. How has this impacted you long term? This will be something that I will live for with for the rest of my life. Thank you for talking to us about this. It must have been very difficult. No problem. I'm sure that the information I just gave you will be put to good use. It will. We promise. Now what? What year is it now? Let's just say it isn't 2022. I just want to get back home. Wait, couldn't we talk to someone about 9-11? I know just the right person. Oh my gosh, she needs to stop doing that. Hey, I recognize that reporter. I saw she'd written a piece on 9-11. Hello there, what can I help you with? Did you happen to report on the 9-11 attack? Sort of. I interviewed a few people that experienced it first-hand. Can you go more in-depth about it? Sure. I had interviewed three men who were working in the towers in Pentagon when the planes crashed. What did they have to say? Well, Don Bosco, one of the men, told me about all the little triggers that set him off now, like jet fuel, concrete dust, smoke. I'd never thought about that kind of thing before. That has to be really scary. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going through something like that. What did the other men have to say about the attacks? I remember Joe Detmar describing the flames to me. He described them as almost alive. I could see the fear in his eyes. Wow. Did they say anything else? I'll never forget what Ryan Yantis said to me. 
we are living artifacts. It sounded like such a clinical way to talk about this traumatic event I felt for him. So they were basically saying that they are lucky to be alive? Yeah, their experience reminds me of another man I interviewed, Eric Lomax, who went through the trauma and had a difficult time coping. If they were there that day, I'm sure they witnessed many deaths, deaths and other casualties. Do you know where they were during the attacks? Yes, Don Bosco was in Tower 1, Joe Dittmar was in Tower 2, and Ryan y Yantis was in the Pentagon. Did they tell you what they did as a result of the attacks? Well, during the attacks, Ryan kept going back and forth into the Pentagon to help get others out. After the attacks, Ryan and John worked with six other survivors to write a book about their experiences. It was remarkable. Wow. It seems like they tried their best to turn this horrible experience into a positive. That's a lot harder than it sounds. Thank you for talking with us. Yeah, no problem. Have a nice day. Oh God, where are we now? Well, at least we're getting closer. Look, it's 2021. And I think I found our next interviewee. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, of course. My name is Kira Alfonseca and I'm a journalist. How long have you been a journalist and who are you a journalist for? I've been a journalist for about 11 years now. I've worked for HuffPost and ABC News. What kinds of journalism do you do? My main focus is race, ethnicity, and culture. Tell us a little bit about your experience when looking into Islamophobia 20 years after 9-11. Well, something that I found interesting that I got to do was interview a wide variety of people with different stories. For example, the Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar and former President George W. Bush. I also got to interview multiple educators and researchers along with everyday Muslims. I also got to dive deeper into how Islamophobia was weaponized, especially politically after 9-11. Actually, I read this really interesting book about a young girl whose father had an attempt on his life. And I just remember when reading that book, I remember her feeling for revenge was so palpable and I can feel that need for revenge in a lot of Americans today after 9-11. I also understand the fear and how because of that fear, there's much racism towards Muslims after 9-11. But I still wish that as humans, we'd stop talk taking that fear out on innocent people and already marginalized groups of people and instead do something productive with it. How do you think Americans can move forward in that process of healthy fear? I don't think we can truly move past this hate until we better understand the people we're discriminating against. I think if people took some time to learn about the Islamic culture, that hate in their heart would turn into true forgiveness and empathy. Are there any resources you'd recommend for listeners out there trying to find that better understanding? Definitely. The Center for Arab American Studies at the University of Michigan-Dearborn has some amazing resources. UC Berkeley did a great study called the Islamophobia Research and Documentation Project, and there's plenty of other wonderful sources out there. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. Yes, thank you. But I think it's time for us to find our way home. So, Sarah, what'd you think of those interviews? I really liked them. They gave a lot of insider information about 9-11, but I'm definitely glad to be back in 2022. To me, it seems like many people from around the world have been affected by the events of 2001. That's true.
Because of Osama bin Laden and his terrorist goals, many people have experienced the consequences. It seems insane to me that someone could do all of that just because of their religion. The story that really stood out to me was Adama Baz. People viewed her as a terrorist just because she's Muslim. It was spread around that she was a suspected suicide bomber, although she was innocent. She was scarred forever for being misjudged. That story made me really embarrassed about what people do to each other. What story stood out to you? The one that stood out to me was the account of the three men that experienced and survived the attacks firsthand. The three men described what they remembered that day in such vivid detail, from red flames to the smell of jet fuel. It made me imagine what it would feel like to experience something like that. That's scary. How do you think that 9-11 has affected our ability to forgive groups of people? Hmm. Well, I think it's definitely caused some barriers and challenges for the Muslim minority. Many people view them as terrorists now because of who is behind the attacks. Wait, hasn't the attack caused some unity too? Oh, of course. I remember from the report of the three survivors that one guy travels around the country to teach people what it was like on that day. So, I guess that the attacks on 9-11 have made it hard for Muslims to move on and forgive what bin Laden have organized. But it's also brought people together to learn about what happened that day, just like how you're listening to this podcast right now. So, what was the interview that impacted you the most today? Let us know by reaching out to us. Thanks for tuning in to the 11th hour. Make sure to tune in next week to hear about the apartheid in South Africa and the remarkable forgiveness that their people displayed. Today's interviews would not have been possible without. From Elm, September 11 attacks. From ABC News, Islamophobia continues to haunt Muslims. From The Guardian, Muslim Arab American stories. From ABC 7 Chicago, Survivor Stories attack Memorial 20th anniversary.